0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember, that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Money, money on the mind, Money Mindsets for a Happier Life is a series we started last week and we're gonna have some fun we're going to start, how many of you like Would You Rather games? These are all money-related. Would you rather, here's one. Okay, so the slide, I missed the one word in there, and it's not going to sound like it's relevant because we don't have any pennies anymore. So I'm going to say, would you rather pay for everything in nickels? They're still nickels, right? Yeah. yeah, okay, just making sure. <laughs> I, after, after I was raised, really like, oh, we don't have pennies anymore. okay. Would you rather pay for everything in nickels for the rest of your life or have to give a dollar a week to a politician you disagree with? How many of you for the nickels? (laughs) Anybody on the politician side? Oh, there's a few. My husband hates change. Okay. It's true. We go out every time. We're, anyway, he hates change. He hates it with a passion. Okay. Would you rather win the lottery but lose all your friends, or lose all your money but find your soulmate? So if you're married, just pretend you're not married. Okay. Okay. So would you? How many of you win the lottery but lose all your friends? Some of you. Oh. <laughs> Way to go. No shame there. Would you lose all your money but find your soulmate? Oh. Okay. There's some of you. All right. Would you rather have a job you hate with a really high salary or a job you love, but a below average salary? Ooh, there you go. I got to think. How about you online? Put your thumbs up or put whichever one you would choose in comments. How many of you, a job you hate, but has a high salary? Okay. Way to go. Okay job you love but a below average salary okay all right all right all the staff had their hands up <laughs> oh dude jesus okay job. Spend a million dollars on travel or spend a million dollars on clothes? Travel? Really? Okay. (laughs) Clothes? Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Because, okay, make 100,000 investing in Bitcoin Ooh. or make 50,000 investing in a business that helps the environment. How many of you Bitcoiners? Oh, yes. In fact, if you want to Talk to Chandler about Bitcoin if you're interested. Or I heard Dustin's pretty knowledgeable in that area too. Okay, 50000 in business helping the environment, environment people. Okay, kind of close. All right, one more. Would you rather win $5 million tomorrow or win $100 million in 20 years? Ooh, here, here's where we show the age difference. <laughs> All right, 50 mil, 5 million tomorrow? Oh, oh, and then invest it. Oh, so, look at you, smart man. Okay, anybody 100 million in 20 years' time? Okay, some of you younger ones, some of us older are just like, I might not be around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know what? It's, it's true, money's kind of a hot topic, isn't it? And you might even be here like, why are you talking about money? And I have bigger problems right now in my life than money, and I wish you would not be talking about money. But here's the thing. The reason we talk about it, especially in church, is because money actually is a topic that affects every one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. Even if you don't have any money, it affects you. <gasps> that newborn baby, money affects that newborn baby, because money was involved in somehow making it possible for that baby to actually be born and born healthy, yes? So money affects all of us, but money, I think we could all agree, is also a tool that many, if not most, of the world does not know how to use. All we need to do is look at debt, both personal and our national debt, which we won't name names right now. <laughs> but even, even things like poverty, social issues that are very much you know, influenced by money, things like human trafficking. It's a corruption that comes not just because a human heart's corrupt, but it is also fed by money. And you know money, here's, a, here's one that might blow your mind. God addresses the topic of money and possessions, listen to this, over 2,300 times in Scripture. Isn't that crazy? Do you know how many times prayers talked about? Less than 300. Whoa. Even Forbes, the business magazine, they said money is the second most talked about topic in Scripture. Isn't that interesting? And... You know, Mike had mentioned this last week when he started. He said money is the only competition to himself that Jesus talked about. Matthew 6, 24, he said, no one can serve two masters since he will either hate one or love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and the devil. No, he didn't say that. That might be, might be a clue. It like, might be uh, really new to some of you. The devil is not Jesus' competition. In fact, he was not a competition. The only thing that Jesus said was a competition to himself was something called not just money, but the God of money, mammon, this spirit or the attitude of our world towards money. And so someone once said that if we stay silent on any subject, we give license to our culture, to define that subject for us. Now this relates to everything in life. If we stay silent on what's right, then we give license to the culture around us to define what's right. If we stay silent on money, then we give the culture the right to define what money should be about in our lives. And you can put family. If we stay silent on what family, what marriage is, then we give license to the culture to define that for us. But I don't know about you, but I don't want a broken world to define something for me. And so as God's people, and this is why I'm talking to followers of Jesus, you know, one of the things that God said about his people was you're blessed to be a blessing. Anything that we consider blessing that doesn't go through us to be a blessing to somebody else is not an actual blessing. It actually becomes a curse to us. But as God's people, if we're called, to, if we're blessed to be a blessing, then man, I, I think it kind of would go without saying that if if we would get this money thing right, man, we would be in a really good position to make a big difference in the world. How many of you would agree? Isn't it true? How many of you online would you agree? Give a thumbs up if you're watching there. So. This is where Jesus, he talked about money, and Mike had read this last week. I'm going to read it in a different version, Matthew 6, 19. Jesus is talking, and he says, don't, in fact, just a a little bit of a side note. This is in the middle of Jesus' longest recorded sermon. And he said, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, Stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, then light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place." How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. I know these are really interesting Things that Jesus was connecting here, the idea of light and understanding in our heart being connected to our perspective on money. And and what he's saying here is when we have an unhealthy perspective on money, it brings darkness into our soul. And just think about it for a minute. We know this to be true. How many of us, money can be a very dark topic for some of us. We start talking about it, we get anxious. depressed. (laughs) We start getting uncomfortable about it. We start getting embarrassed. It stirs up guilt or shame or anger, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, just a personal story for me, growing up, the dark part that it stirred up in me was shame and fear. And it was fear because we didn't really talk about it a lot at home. Now, my parents they were very, I mean, they were very generous people. I mean, they were givers. They were faithful in their giving. They taught us as soon as we had cash in our hand, they taught us about tithing, about giving one-tenth to God. And I remember taking change to church and putting it in the offering box. I mean, so they, they understood it. But there was a lot of things that we just didn't talk about. They didn't talk about budgeting or managing your money or even about wise purchases, <laughs> And so there was this, you know, they didn't talk about investing, not only in physical wealth, not even not only investing in, in things for today, but even investing in things for eternity. And I remember having a conversation with my mom. It was in the recent years before she passed away. And somehow we were talking about this. And she, one of the things that she brought up, she said, you know, I wish we would have done this better with you guys. <laughs> And and she started to share about just her own upbringing that for her, she was raised in an environment where for her money was associated with pain because of the attitudes and habits and even expectations from an alcoholic father. And so when she became a Christ follower, she was like, I don't want anything to do with that and kind of swung the opposite way, which when my mom and dad did become followers of Christ, they, they started, they, they gave their lives to Jesus and became Christ followers at a time period when there was a lot of funky ideas and a lot of funky teaching in the church world about money, such as if you had a lot or if, if, you, ha- if you didn't have a lot, then it made you more, you know, more godly. How many of you remember these? (laughs) Or even the less you thought about money, the more spiritual you were. Or if you're lacking money, then it shows a lack of faith or God's trying to teach you something. And, you know, that's where money became very intimidating. But the shame part came... As a kid, especially the first, any first child's first child's thumbs up in the comments, first child's hands up in the room, any first child, maybe you can relate to this. And especially if you grew up in a certain kind of home environment. Remember, you know, as a first child, you can be very aware when there seems to be lack. And that was my experience. There was, there was you know, frequent, no, I shouldn't say frequently, but there was often that sense there was not enough. Not enough for school lunches. Not enough for this new pair of clothes, or new new pair of jeans, or new pair of shoes. It wasn't enough for, you know, these gifts, or to take part in these activities, or for this holiday, or there wasn't enough money to buy a new vehicle, you know, to replace the ones that were always breaking down. (laughs) And you know what, I'm... And I'm saying this not to diss my parents because what was really amazing is even the conversations later years after this was to show that they were, able to, they were able to get a hold of a new way of thinking and started to change some of their practices. And I share those stories simply to show the impact that misthinking about money can have. And they began to work at changing much later in life and began to see things turn around. There was still a lot that they were working on. But, but I think that's exciting because it's never too late. Everyone say it's never too late. It's never too late. And that's the good news. We can change our money filters. And that's what we're going to look at today. And I love how Rachel Cruz, if you're familiar with a guy named Dave Ramsey, his daughter, she said, if you want to follow the culture, you will get culture-type results but if you want to follow the redeemer you will get redeemed results isn't that great i love that if you want to follow the redeemer what god says what jesus says about finance what jesus says about money what jesus says about our possessions we get the Redeemer's results. I, we get redeemed results. I love that. And you know what? That's the power of Jesus Christ. He redeems. He can change even bad money decisions and mistakes that were just like, oh, I don't want anybody to know about this. You know, what? he can change all of that. That's what redeeming means. He changes. So I love how Jesus, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So I got four things. How we might be misthinking money. In other words, lies our culture tells us about money. Are you ready to go? Here's the first one. Our culture says, it's mine. It's mine. We sound like two-year-olds. It's mine. But Psalm 24, 1, David is saying, he said, the earth is the Lord's and all its wealth, the world and all the people living in it. The earth is all its wealth. Your job, it's actually God's gift to you. Your paycheck actually isn't your paycheck, it's God's. That inheritance money actually isn't yours, it's God's. What will we? What, how will we handle that? Again, David in 1 Chronicles 29, he said, Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth belongs to you, God. The kingdom belongs to you, O eternal one, and you're the head of it all. Wealth and glory come from you, and you rule over them all. But who am I? And who are my people that we can offer up anything to you so willingly? All our offerings come from you so we can give you nothing that isn't already yours. How many of you ever want us to say, well, why am I giving this to God? He doesn't need anything. And you know what? I love what one guy, he said, in one sense, anything we give to God is like offering the owner of the beach a grain of sand. (laughs) Isn't that true? If it's all his, anything we try to give to him, it's just like, well, this is like a grain of sand. What does it matter? Well, you know what? Why our giving is so important. It's because God is trying to train our heart out of selfishness. And any parent or any adult around little humans will know you do not have to train them to say mine. No, it's in our nature. But this is where the power, the practice of giving is something that God uses to train us to reflect his character. Because everything about God is, is giving. Everything about God is generous. And that's why it matters. Everything is God's. That thought, that idea, that statement, everything is God. It is foundational to who we are as people, especially as followers of Christ. It, it, and when we get this, it causes us to see what we do possess differently. It causes us to handle it differently. So what is the light? How do we turn on the light over and against this misthinking about money? It's mine. Well, it starts with simply awareness. Maybe you've never even heard or maybe even considered that everything I've gotten, it's actually not mine. It's a gift from God. He's blessed you with that job. He's blessed you with that business sense. He's blessed you with that idea and that creative thing. Everything we have is a gift from him. Maybe you've never considered that before and that's where you start turning the light on by simply being aware. It's like, oh, God, this isn't just mine. It's actually yours. Here's another one. Here's another way we might be misthinking money You'll be happy when you buy and then fill in the blank. What goes in the blank for you? What goes in? You'll be happy when you buy those shoes. Now, you might not think, but you just get excited about it because they're going to be nice and white and shiny, and you're not going to have to scrub so hard on your old ones to make them nice and white. You'll be happy when you buy the new vehicle or the new knives. <laughs> <laughs> that was my husband's story from last week. You can turn in and listen to. You'll be happy when you buy the new piece of decor. You'll be happy when you buy the new, whatever it is. Now, and I think this lie has overtaken culture. We have become infatuated with stuff, and then social media has given it steroids. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. How many purchases are made simply because it will make a nice aesthetic on our feed? (laughs) But you know what? In the New Testament, especially in Jesus' own words, there were a lot of red danger flags around the idea of luxury and possessions and, and money, not because God is against us having things. He's not. God has no problem with us having things. But there were red flags in danger because just like when you're swimming in the ocean or you're in ocean, a lot of times you have a red flag because the current is so strong. There were a lot of red flags and danger around things like money or possessions or luxury because Jesus knew the current of this world and how those currents can easily pull against our heart and pull us away from him and into being, running around, chasing things that don't matter. And the Bible has a word for this infatuation. It's called idolatry. And you know, we don't, we can read over that and we think, well, that was just for those Way back then when they didn't understand what was going on and, you know. But, but idolatry, it simply means anything that we give worship. And that word worship simply means worth yeah. to. So idolatry is something that we give our worth-ship to, to something when God said he would be that for us. And Isaiah words it this way. He's just, he says, I don't understand. And Isaiah is giving words. He's, saying, he's speaking these words from God. He's, God's saying, I don't understand why you spend your money for things that don't nourish or work, hard, work so hard for what leaves you empty. Attend to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest, most delectable things. Listen closely. Come even closer. My words will give life. I will make a covenant with you that cannot be broken. A promise of my enduring presence and support, like I give to David. How do we turn on the light in this area? Well, through humility and gratitude. Psalm 119, verse 108, it says, Accept my grateful thanks and teach me your desires, God. Teach me your desires. You know what what gratitude does? Gratitude is what positions our heart to receive God's desires. That's such a cool thing to experience. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? God, give me your desires. What would it feel like to feel God's desires in our heart? Because God's desires are what will truly satisfy us. When we desire for ourselves, what God desires for us. And that's what brings satisfaction. That's what brings fulfillment. That's what brings that true happiness and joy to our life. And humility. Humility isn't thinking of yourself in a demeaning way. It just It's thinking of yourself less. And it means thinking of others more. And this is what humility does in Philippians 2. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. Get beyond yourselves. And protecting your own interests, but be sincere and secure your neighbors' interests first. And this is what Paul, what a great picture of what humility is. Humility isn't, oh, I'm just a worm, and oh no, it's not me. And you know what? Humility isn't. Humility isn't when somebody compliments you saying, oh no, 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 I'm not all that great. That's not humility. But humility is recognizing who It causes us to look up and to look around and to see opportunity or to see need or to see ways that we can be a blessing to others. And that is so opposite of our culture. True humility and gratitude. Now, this next one kind of sounds like it might be a bit weird because it sounds like it's a contradiction to number two, but it's not. Hear me out. Number three, another way we might be misthinking money is it's wrong to want more. Well, doesn't that just contradict what you said? Ah, let me explain. The desire for more, whatever that is, the desire for more in us is not wrong. It's just broken. It's broken. And what happens is we've exchanged abundance more for accumulation. And there's a big difference. See, God's first words to the first two humans in the garden, they were all abundance words. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Everything in here is yours except for this one tree. Don't go over near that one. But everything. And so in other words, God created us with this innate desire for abundance. The abundance that comes from him. He put that in us. But when humanity chose self over God, the human capacity to handle abundance was broken. And it got messed up in our thinking. So we just want to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And the difference is this. Accumulation is more for me, but abundance is more to be able to be a greater blessing to others. There's a big difference. And see settling this is the, this is a flip side because and this is what I was raised in settling for less is not the answer because settling for less can trick us into thinking it's okay if I have just enough for my needs to be met Now that's some of the faulty church teaching that's gone through the church. Oh, I just need enough for me and my own. I just need enough to meet my needs. Now that sounds holy or right on one hand, but it's actually not biblical. It's the farthest thing from biblical truth. Because how can I, if I'm blessed to be a blessing, how can I bless others if I just have just my needs met? God wants to meet your needs. God doesn't want you to live in lack. That is not a reflection of who God is. But this is where we can have this messed up thinking of swinging the opposite direction of, oh, I just need enough for my needs. No. We need, and how do we turn the light on on this? Is seeing abundance as seed seeing abundance as seed. 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to make it up to you by giving, everything, by giving you everything you need and more. Everyone say, and more, and more, so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. For God, here's the key, who gives seed to the farmer to plant, And later on, good crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Yes, God will give you so much so that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. See, what is the goal of being able to bless others? It's so God is praised. So God has given glory, not so that we can look good and feel good, but it's so that people can see God is a God of abundance. God is a God that is generous. God is a God of more than enough. And the fourth way we can be misthinking about money is here's what culture tells us. You only live once. YOLO, however you want to say it. You only live once. So how does this play out? Well, we get sucked into that thing of instant gratification. Instant gratification. And how this plays out is this is where we wrongly think that earth is our home. You only live once. Better soak it up. Better do all I can. And we won't get into all of that. I don't believe heaven is our home either. I believe heaven on earth is. That's a whole other story. We'll get to that in a couple months' time. (laughs) But when we think that this world is our home, what happens is we end up stockpiling stuff, like stuff and things and opportunities or experiences, and we stockpile it trying to make this place feel like home. And when we do that, what happens is our heart's devotion gets pulled away from God. And it prevents us, and we're just living for now, I'm just living for today, it actually prevents us from investing into the future and into eternity. See, Proverbs 13 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. In other words, this is really clear. Man, you are a wise and good person when you're leaving an inheritance for your children's children. Now, some people would argue and say, well, that's just a spiritual inheritance. Well, that's part of the inheritance, but there's nothing in here that says it's wrong to leave a a monetary or a financial inheritance to your children. There's nothing wrong with that. You know why? Because there's something really powerful about being able to set your kids up to be a greater blessing than what you were. That's what we want. We don't want to just set them up so they don't have to work hard and they can just enjoy it and blow it and just not have any idea about, you know, the hard work that went into it. Unfortunately, that can happen. But the reason we want to do that is because we want every succeeding generation to be able to be a greater blessing, to make a greater difference in the world, yes? We want them to be able to start. We want our ceiling to be their baseline. That's what we want, so man, they can change the world, so that we can we can give to programs like A21 that are rescuing and restoring and redeeming and putting an end to things like human trafficking, and giving to things like Home of Hope, giving to things like the Hub, giving to things like that are that are making a difference, giving to things like the church, because the church is making a difference in people's lives. And see, eternity carries, there, there's an opportunity. What we invest in today here on earth does impact eternity. Jesus said it this way don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. And you know, Paul, in a different Time when writing to Timothy, he said, We can lay up treasure now. He says, Command the rich to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I want to end with this quote Storing up treasure means We're investing in that which will last into eternity. God's mission in the world. What is God's mission? It's not only rescuing people, but God's mission in the world is setting up programs, setting up systems, being the kind of people in the world now that reflect the reality of God's kingdom here on earth now things that point as a sign point to here's justice. Here's provision. No more poverty here. Here's freedom. No more addiction here. Here's true life and health and wholeness. No more depression here. No more bondage here. No more addiction here. That's God's mission in the world. Much of what we pursue that leads to our glory and comfort here on earth won't serve us in eternity. Instead of using our material, material resources to build wealth here, we must build what will outlast this world and continue into the next. Church, if we can get this money thing right in our thinking and in our practice, it is a spiritual practice man, we can position ourselves to make a difference in the world, amen? I'm gonna invite you to stand, I wanna pray. I'm gonna pray with you online as well. I want everybody to just close their eyes and I want you to be so bold, if you would be so bold, and and online, it's you as well. I just wanna ask if, and I'm gonna pray. And I know what it's like to have funky thinking about money and I, I don't by any means say, I'm got it all done now, I'm ready to go something I continually need to work at, but I know that there is breakthrough that God has brought both to Mike and I. And there's ways of thinking that we've had to break and we've had to be intentional about creating new filters and new ways of thinking about money. But I want to ask if, just with everybody with your eyes closed, I want to ask here, if this is an area where you're thinking, I got funky thinking about money and I just, I need God's help changing this. I want to invite you to put up your hand. If you would just be so bold, don't you have to be something major or massive or whatever it is you just recognize. It's like, oh, I have some stuff that needs to change in my perspective. Father, you, you're the one that sees every hand and you know exactly the stories, you know what's going on. And Father, right now, God, you said wherever two or three agree on anything, we have what we ask. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I speak freedom to every individual that's raised their hand. God, I just I speak a loosing of the thinking, the generational thinking, the faulty misthoughts, the misbeliefs, the even the lies our culture has, has taught us and we've grabbed onto, maybe without even believing it. God, I speak freedom to your people even today. God, we know the work going forward is going to involve discipline and, uh, and effect on our hand. But God, we ask right now that that freedom would come, that God, we declare a loosing of thoughts, a loosing from lies. God, I break off shame. I break off guilt. I break off fear. I break off anger and even bitterness and resentment that are attached to the idea of money and wealth. And God, we ask that you would come and you would give us a fresh, a new way of thinking about finance. God, I even pray today that there was some of you, your hands are, that are up, God is going to give you such creative ideas about business, brand new business ideas, things you would have never imagined before. And God, I pray that there would be a download. God, a download today of business ideas, ways that will generate, Father, not only wealth, but that will be a channel of your blessing and your kingdom reality here on earth. And we give you thanks. God, I thank you. I thank you. Even now, Jesus, I thank you. God, a brand new start, a brand new start. God, a brand new start for your people. God, we wanna be those channels of your blessing to the world. We wanna be, Father, that light, that beacon of hope that says there is a new way, there is a different way. And God, we love you and we thank you. You can put your hands down. And one final prayer that I wanna pray with everybody and including online. You know what? If you've never said yes, to following Jesus man there really is there it really is a way of life that is greater than what you could ever imagine it really is a way of blessing it is not easy it isn't smooth sailing but there is a blessing that nothing in this world can replace there's a blessing that comes for bringing your life into that place of following jesus because you know what jesus said i've come to give you life and life more abundantly he has abundant life for you and we're all going to pray together and the reason we pray together is because nobody prays alone and if you want to say yes to following jesus in church online if you want to say yes to him, can we pray this together say jesus thank you for the abundant life that you've come to give me jesus i recognize I can't save myself. I am a sinner and I recognize the power of the cross where you died to save me. I say yes to salvation. I say yes to following you and living in your blessing so that I can be a blessing in your name. Amen.